think of anything to talk about. I think you just do a mashup of all of our walkout songs, and then <laughs> which none of them relate. It's yeah, just gonna that's sound like garbage. <laughs> wait, wait, what's your walkout song? Um, I walked out to Act of Fools Zombie Nation remix last night. Okay, nice, nice. What about you? Uh, last time was Joe Esposito Jr.'s um, theme from The Karate Kid. Nice. You're the the best around. You're the best around. That shit is dope. Oh, it's get get very pumped up. Everyone was very excited. (laughs) I I walked out to uh, George Michael's Freedom. Uh, Uh, So, see, my last fight, they they picked the music for me. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was for the uh, Golden Gloves, New York Golden Gloves, and they they were just like, we don't have time for your bullshit. There's (laughs) way too many people here that want to fight, and you're an amateur, so (laughs) go fuck yourself. But the fight before that. It's a little, little, pretty nerdy. I walked out to the Doctor Who theme music. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Thank God I won that. You can't walk out to something like that and lose. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'd be pretty embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do always get a little bit thrown off with like they pick the music and it's something that's very much like either something that I don't know or something I've never listened to or yeah, like, yeah. Like, something. Is it is it my tr- is it me? Am I is it am I going? Something that doesn't fit at all. They're like, how about some Chopin to get you amped? Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Super Opera Punch. And today I have three guests, the most guests we've had at one time in studio. So it's a little crowded in here. But I want you guys go around and introduce yourselves. I'm Katie Kuykendall. Um, what, want- what's your fight name? <laughs> My fight name is Kit Kat. <laughs> uh... Yep. Why is that important? Oh, just, it's just that. That's just a name and nickname. Sh- sure. Okay. Why don't we go with that? Yeah, that's good. Oh no. Okay. So. Yeah, but why is that my nickname? Oh, because uh, we went to get lunch after <laughs> she weighed in, and then I just I saw that her name was started with uh, K A T K I, and then the last name was K I T, and I was like, oh, let's just switch it. Can we? Can I call you Kit Kat? <laughs> and I guess for some reason she just was like, yeah, sure. Oh my god. That's a spot-on impression. I, you know, if everyone just closes their eyes right now, <laughs> it'll be perfect. All right, let's but. see who's talking now. <laughs> uh, all right, so my name is Humberto Perea. My nickname is Abrocado, and we got that because uh, apparently everyone knows I love avocados. And as you saw earlier today, I had avocado uh, spats, or pantaloons, as I like to call them. Yes, the world-famous <laughs> pantaloons. And uh, it just became avocado, but then because uh, me and Jaime are brothers— it's a brocado, and that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, because he's a big bro. <laughs> yeah. My name is Jaime. Jaime, um, fight name is Heartbreak Jaime, because I leave all my opponents brokenhearted, <laughs> both physically and yeah, you know, emotionally, because they're like excited. They're like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna fight. We're gonna, you know, um, have a good show in front of all our friends and family." And then I come in. And just ruin the plans and be like, sorry, bro. <laughs> just, just a dream ruiner. That's it. That's who you are. Yeah. Good. Uh, Lance, can we move this camera out of the way? I can't see Jaime's beautiful face. Yeah. Let's just move that a little bit. There we go. All right. Cool. Cool. A little bit of technical difficulties. Like I said, this is the most people we've had in <laughs> studio. We had Alex and Van in studio uh, yeah. for the second episode. And that was that was manageable. Now it's... And we just finished training, too. So... It's going to get really stinky and sweaty in here soon. Sorry, Lance. Just deal yeah. with it. Uh, and so, we're all such big individuals. It's just, yeah. like, <laughs> just a massive. lot of weight. You have so much alpha in the room that it just it seeps out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This glass is going to crack. We, we need like a safe it. radius between one another so the alphaness doesn't like, conflict. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, let's talk about why you guys are here because nobody knows, uh, or, or most of our listeners aren't going to know who you are. So let's talk about your martial arts background. Why don't we go around in a circle and say... Uh, okay, so I guess I'll start just because um, I guess I was the first one who started jiu-jitsu in this group. Okay. So uh, my martial arts started with um, pretty much the way I think it starts with everyone, which is I was watching Power Rangers, <laughs> and me and Jaime were like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Let's start doing that, which resulted in us pretty much just, like, kicking each other with no training or anything in the house. How and much furniture did you break? Emulating power. Surprisingly the, the, none. The springs because, on the sofa. Yeah, because yeah. we would, like, I, I think it's that the furniture was stronger than us. Uh. So <laughs> we were very small kids. But... um so it pretty much just was like us always having that in the back of our mind. And then uh, in high school, we joined like the Taekwondo club. And then uh, college, it was the same thing. We joined the Taekwondo club. And uh, after college, uh, I kind of like just got lazy and didn't do anything for about five years or so. And then somewhere around the age of 27, I was like, oh, man, I got to get back into this. I got to do something. I put on a lot of weight. And... I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing jiu-jitsu because I started watching the UFC. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I want to know what they're doing. Like, they keep talking about stuff, and but, like, I don't know what's going on. I want to know what they're doing. So I just started, I just went to the jiu-jitsu school that was, like, 10 blocks from my house, and I started there. And I was there for about a year, but uh, the school wasn't for me. Like, they weren't big on competing. They weren't... Uh, they weren't open as much as I wanted to. And mm. I kind of ha- always had it in the back of my mind, like, I, I, I do want to do MMA or at least want to try it. I want to f- see what it's about. And then one day Jaime was like, all right, I'm done with, not I'm done with karate, but I want to do j- jujitsu because you're starting to beat me up. <laughs> and uh, let's find a school together. So, you know, why don't we make it like City of, City of uh, God, where it's like, I tell a story. And then when you come into the story, you tell your story and you catch <laughs> up. All right. So, yeah, we did start as little kids. Jackie Chan movies and WWF. We used to do the, the suplexes and stuff on each other. Uh, very painful. And then, uh, yeah, we did the Taekwondo club, which is like, oh, just kicking and punching the air. In front I, I got to stop right here because yeah. your high school had a Taekwondo club. Yes. Yeah, once a week, bro. M- my yeah. high school didn't have shit. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They barely had a chess club. Like, that's... <laughs> I'm I'm very very jealous. Yeah, I, I think it was just because it was one guy who was like, a, he was big in the Taekwondo world apparently, uh. and he was like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna teach at the high school, and then he started it himself. Yeah, so and this I, was here in Brooklyn. Yeah, we actually went Brooklyn to Tech. Brooklyn Tech, okay. Brooklyn Technical High School, yeah. which is a few blocks from here. Not very far at all. Yeah, cool. go yeah. on. Sorry. So uh, uh, then came college, and it was Taekwondo in college. Uh, the guy that was running the program is our friend T Storm. And uh, we ended up training under him for a couple of years and competing in Taekwondo tournaments, right? Which is... Uh, it was no contact yeah, sparring. It's not, it's not really the same. And then um, everybody graduated. Um, you know, Humberto was like, I'm going to start watching TV and eating potato chips, <laughs> right? And I'm talking about like 240, like, right? He, he, yeah. he blew up. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm, since no one can see us, I'm 5'4", and I blew up to about 240 pounds. Yeah. Damn. How so much you weigh now? Now I'm 160. Yeah. And right. you fight at? I yeah. fight at 145, but I'm, I'm still even small for that. But, yeah. yeah. Damn, that's still. a huge leap. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was bad. It got bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, I don't know, 185, right? So it wasn't that 
but it was uh, pure muscle, so it's fine. <laughs> so perfect. Then, perfect. Yeah. So then just we start. Just two percent body. Bro, you don't. You don't time. even know. I would. I would. <laughs> if I flex, I can't flex because I would rip my shirt. But so. So then, um, after I graduated college, it was about two years, and I wasn't doing anything except Nintendo. And then my friend was like, "Yo, I'm working at the White Tea Storm." He was like, "I'm working at the YMCA. Um, they got karate over here and and capoeira over here." You should come try it out. And I was like, all right, I'll try it out. So I went and I tried the two classes and I was like, this is kind of cool. Let me let me stick with it. And that was about like five years of that. And within the five years, Humberto started doing jujitsu. And, you know, I'm the older brother, so I'm the alpha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when we start fighting, I'm like, he's beating me up. We can't have this. No, we cannot have this. Yo, Humberto, let me, let me start doing jujitsu with you. And at that point, he was like... Um, I think I'm gonna switch schools and do MMA. Let's let's both go to. <laughs> we'll leave our gyms and we'll go to an MMA gym. All right. And that's that's how we started MMA. So yeah, yeah, so we went to an MMA gym and we trained there for about about five years. Five years. Yeah, it was a small days. it was a small gym. Uh, but the instructor he was he would train with Frankie Edgar. He trained with the whole Almeida Fight Club uh-huh. and uh, was a black belt under Ricardo Almeida, uh, and. We trained there for about five years or so. Yeah, and that's then, Williamsburg MMA. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and then we uh, eventually we left from that school, and we then went to Class One MMA. And so, you know, at that point we had both had uh, some amateur fights. We had, I believe, I was I had like six amateur fights. Jaime had about two of them, and um, we moved to Class One MMA, and which was more of a fight gym, like. They were more like just bring your stuff in and just you know everyone we're gonna be sparring together. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's when Katie came into the picture. Okay, how yeah. did you get involved with all this madness? <laughs> so I actually had been training for a little bit before I met Berto and Jaime. Um, I went to graduate school with someone who said, "Oh, I think you'd really like Krav Maga," which I don't know if we were counting that, but that's absolutely kind of my segue. Yeah. That's where it comes into the picture. Okay. Um, if we're counting high school taekwondo yeah. class, you can count. <laughs> I, I can count Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Every, yeah. every now and then, like like McDojo, Instagram, or one of those, <laughs> like, hey, look at this funny thing, posts up a video of, of, of something ridiculous, I and I'm like... got my start in windbending. <laughs> just, like, people would come in, and I would just put my hands up, and I would knock them out. All right. yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I got my start playing Kung Fu on Nintendo. So. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> yeah. um, so, so I was doing Krav Maga, and... I mean, if you told me 10 years ago that I was going to get in the cage and this was going to become a huge part of my life, I think you were insane. Um, I was, like, working crazy hours. and What were you doing? I was an investigator. Okay. All right. Hold on. An investigator? Yeah. This needs to be elaborated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know this story about it. I mean, it's not a story. That's my that was my job at the time. Um, like a, how, how did you how did you get involved in that? Like a private investigator? Yeah, like a private investigator. What? I was a private investigator. Do you have a trench coat and a hat. And a... <laughs> they do. They issue those when you when you get your license. It actually comes wrapped in a trench coat. Got it. And then it's just kind of like you know the hat is attached to the coat. Okay. You know, so you just grab and go. So a hoodie. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, awesome. but it was like you know you would have cameras and like pins, cameras and like buttons. You have to like like change out your buttons to put a, a camera in the in the clothing, which is always shitty to have to do the night before. <laughs> so anyway, so I took BJJ and I uh, a class one night, but I couldn't make it to my regular time. And 
uh, I kind of stuck with it. I liked it. I felt more confident if I went to the ground, you know, in a, in a situation in general life, I'd, I'd be a little bit more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, some people at the time were getting ready for a competition. I was just trying to be, you know, there for people. You know, you take care of the gym. Like, it's your your home, your second home. It really is. And I uh, said, you know, I'll, uh, I'll roll with anyone. Like, I'll be here to drill. Like, uh, let me help you get ready. And the, my coach at the time, or who would then soon become my coach, said, just compete once. Like, if you hate it, I'll never ask you again. And this was a grappling tournament? This was a grappling tournament. Okay. Uh, and I was like, let's do it. Uh, so I went. I competed. Um, and in that second, I was like, I want to go all the way. Like, I want to... I don't want to just grapple. I want to ground and pound. Uh, so then I, I started developing my boxing mm-hmm. with a coach there. This is at the same Krav Maga gym? At the same Krav Maga. I started working with someone who had a boxing background. And then that same coach also was training at class one. Wow. Uh, so kind of like took me to class one at one point. Um, and that's where I started developing my, my kickboxing, some Muay Thai style and of bringing everything together. And that's where I met these two hooligans. Awesome. So, so far, I just want to point out, she has the best story so far. Yeah, I was going to say that. So like, you guys got to start lying or something <laughs> right. to, so to I, make this better. I, I'm already going to, I'm already going to say that she's a liar. <laughs> right? Because I don't know if Katie knows this, but you and I had met a couple of years beforehand at a New York sports club by 42nd Street. That, uh, that's actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So how did this happen? Yeah. Wait, wait. During her private investigating years, <laughs> obviously she was she investigating was private, private, <laughs> privately investigating Some me. Some girl probably hired her to fucking follow me. No, um, we we were. Um, I, I guess we worked together because we we took like a daytime boxing class. You mean where did we work together? No, we had worked in the same neighborhood. Oh, okay. Because this was like a boxing class that was during the middle of the day, so yeah. I would go on my lunch break. Yeah. And okay. I, that's where I first saw you. Yeah. Yeah, and then when we, when I got to class one, I was like, oh, my God, hey, what's up? You remember me? And you're like, no. <laughs> and I was Perfect. Like, oh, I guess I'll go. go. Can I, we cur- are I we allowed for- to curse on this? I had yeah, forgotten. It's the internet. Perfect. Yeah, right Perfect. Were you in the class where I fell off the back of my step, and then I was trying to play it off, and then the person in the front was like, screamed out into the microphone, are you okay? I thought you did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> like, fell straight to my ass. In front of the whole class. In front of the entire class, <laughs> like Christ. I like, there was no like I didn't catch myself. It was like one minute I was standing, the next minute I was on my ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord! So now, yeah. uh, so for competition, when you guys started started in competition, did did you do amateur MMA as well? That's what I'm doing right now. But okay. I, I was so I kind of like was with them, and then I went to another gym. Okay. Um. So we kept in contact. Um. And uh, so I was at another gym, strictly Muay Thai, you know, doing BJJ, but kind of practicing separately. And then I went on to another coach. And so I was doing, you know, kickboxing, BJJ tournaments um, in together. So I kind of came to them and they're just people I really trust um, to work with. People, you know, I, I just work well with, I think. And so when it came, I said, will you... Will you work with me? Will you help me get ready? And it just really evolved to be a really great thing for me. Okay. And yes. Uh, so, like, we, like, I wouldn't say, like, we fell out, but it was kind of like we never, we didn't see each other, like, every, we saw each other very seldomly. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, one day, like, bumped into her at uh, Master Skaya. 
at Jun- because we started doing jujitsu at Matraskaya, and then we bumped into her there. And then she was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna start." Like she, she pretty much like said, "I'm dedicating myself. I'm gonna do an MMA, an amateur MMA fight." And can you guys help me out? And that was pretty much how we started. Okay, we were like, "All right, let's set a let's set some time before or after class to make sure we work on certain things." And, you know, try to get you into the drills to get you in the habits, try to break any habits that you might have, stuff like that. Yeah. And I had I had actually, you know, MMA had been the goal for years. So all everything I was doing up until this was kind of like sharpening those tools in the tool belt, you know, but you really need someone to bring it together for you. And then I ended up um, having major shoulder surgery. Oh, and how how deep into your training were you at that time? Um. That was three years, probably three years in mm. um, to the training, and that happened about a, a little bit more than a year ago. So that really set back kind of my career. I don't think – I think maybe I competed once in 2017. Oh, okay. Um, so it was definitely a delay before I was able to kind of like pick back up on, on the, the path that I was on. And uh- – the rest of you, you guys have competed just amateur or you competed professional as well? Uh, um, okay, so we, I'm the only one who's competed professionally. If I end by that, I mean I've had one professional fight. Okay. Still and counts. It still counts. brings it up. It does count. I do, Almost every day. I do bring it up every day <laughs> during any event. If someone sends me a video, I say my opinion, my opinion as a professional fighter <laughs> is blah, blah, blah. But uh, so... Yeah, so we, like Jaime and I were, were uh, training at, at Williamsburg MMA, and that's when our coach there said, hey, uh, do you guys want to do an amateur fight? Because we had always told them we want to do an amateur fight. So we'd always done jiu-jitsu competitions just to like, you know, you just want to get used to somebody trying to rip your head off. Yeah. And how, and how long ago was this? What year was it about? Uh, the MMA or? Uh, yeah, uh, starting so, amateur MMA. So amateur MMA, I did my first one. We did our first one in 2013. So okay. that was, what is that, five years ago? So that was yeah. before uh, pro fighting was legal, right? Y- yeah, yeah, we did right. it in New Jersey. Okay. So we'd have to drive out to New Jersey. Um, you know, you do all that training, everything in New Jersey, under New Jersey rules, mm-hmm. sanctions. Uh, we used to train with, we, we would compete under Dead Serious, which was, I, I, I still think that they're like the top amateur MMA in New Jersey. And uh, like, I mean, to say that we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into was kind of an understatement. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we, we were at like a small school and not a lot of people drop in and we're kind of just training with ourselves. And the only time we really see other people is when we go to jiu-jitsu co- uh, competitions and we see like the differences between what we have and their, and they have. Yes. And um, so we kind of, our coach one day was like, you want to do an amateur MMA fight? And we was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Like I, I had just done a race and like my, <laughs> like I, 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 I'm not joking when I say like my body was not regulating temperature properly. Oh, shit. It was like, you know those like Tough Mudders? Yeah, yeah. I, I did one that was like a 24 hour one. And then it's like, well, just run in circles as many times as you can. I didn't know they made twenty four hour tough. Yeah, hours. yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. I didn't know either till they sent me an email, and I was like, I, I think I can do that. Like an idiot. <laughs> he brings this up almost as much as he does it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to say that I'm an elite runner, you know, <laughs> an elite obstacle course runner. I mean, this is you your know? Matt Sarah knocking out GSP. This <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but uh, so, like, I, I had like my body was like all messed up, and my leg was like still messed up and my coach was like do you want to do you want to do an amateur fight and I was like yeah sure I think I'll be fine by then and uh and so I we had our first amateur fight 
in December of 2013, and we fought on the same card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did one just about every six months, I'd say, uh, in terms of amateur, until, let me see, my last one was in December of 2016. I, I fought for Triton. Well, it was Triton before they were Triton. So after after the event we had, that's when they announced they were becoming Triton. And uh, then, what were they called before that? Uh, it was like it, it, it was ACC, I think, and NC Knockout KTFO. Yeah, got it. Yeah, KTFO MMA, and they joined together. They joined forces, and then became, became Triton. Triton. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, at that point, that's uh, after I had done that. I, I was. It was pretty much like I'm gonna do a pro fight. That had always been my goal. It was because I, I did an amateur fight, and I was like, "Yeah, but you know, you have like shin pads on. You can't do ground and pound to the head. It's not the same. It's like I almost felt like I'm doing a lukewarm version of it. So I was like, I, I need to do a pro fight, it just 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 as like a bucket list thing. And um, so I went to class one. I had one last amateur fight, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "All right, I'm going to do a pro fight." And then title I, fight. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the my last amateur fight was a title fight, which consisted of me just like not even punching, just out wrestling the person and then when they were on the ground then punching him. So that was fun because I didn't get hit, which is always my favorite thing. Mm. That's always nice. <laughs> yes. That's always nice. Some people like the getting punched part. Some Katie. people some people just like to stand in the middle of the cage and just throw hands, <laughs> some, not go for any takedowns. Some lighter weight women like to stand in the middle of the cage and just stand and bang. Yeah. Bro. I would just like to point out that some middleweight males like to <laughs> not engage in striking and instead run after their opponent and just throw them on the ground repeatedly. Humberto? Yes. Did it just so. get hot? <laughs> <laughs> as, as someone that needs to get punched once or twice in the face to, to get started, I'm, I'm on your side. Nah. I, don't, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this in my face, <laughs> but I prefer to stay this way. Got it. Got it. So it's just me then. Right. Exactly. We're working with some high talent. <laughs> Every fight that I've been in, it's like I, I don't punch any, don't punch at all. And then they hit me with one. I'm like, OK, now we can fight. Nah. I know that's probably not great for the longevity of a career, but it's working so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. So So, uh, uh, what do you think? uh, Have you competed in um, amateur MMA here in New York since? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Now, the amateur circuit in in a lot of states isn't exactly developed there. You know, there's no uh, regulation. There's no regulating body. There's no uh, consistent rule set. What are the biggest obstacles you guys come into when you're you know, signing a contract to fight for an amateur tournament. So you don't sign a contract. It's literally a yes. handshake agreement. Like it's basically a text message. Yes, that's I'm, but, I meant to, yeah. uh, like it, like uh, not not that I'm like saying hey, this is not. But I'm literally saying in that like a lot of times what happens is like you say hey, I'm going to do this, and then the other person says he's going to do it, but then doesn't. Yeah. So the biggest obstacle to me is that you have to show up ready. And then also have it in the back of your mind that the other person might not even show up. Yes. Like I've I've been to, uh, like luckily I've never had anyone pull out. I've had people pull out of my fights, but they've never they they've always been able to replace them. Them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's never happened to me. I've Jaime had someone pull out literally the night before. Uh. He had someone pull out three days before. Yeah. For his last fight, the guy, the opponent pulled out three days before the fight. They luckily found someone to replace him, and, which was a miracle, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, and the one before that as well. Yeah, and the one before that, the guy pulled out like a week before, but then they were able to just, you know, rearrange a couple of fights and get him a fight. Yeah. And uh, so, what is it about your reputation that people don't want to fucking fight you? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, th- everybody needs to know that. Number one, I do not pull out, my friend. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just the, the one of the challenges with dealing with amateur MMA is that you're dealing with amateurs. Mm-hmm. So you deal with a lot of people who are like, you know what? I'm a fighter, bro. I'm really cool. I want to be a fighter. I want to walk around my gym and, and put on Instagram, me hitting pads, me being all, you know, whatever. And then, you know, when it comes down to it, shit, you really got to step in the cage and, and get into a fist fight with somebody, you know. And, and just some people are just like, no, nah, I'd rather just go and, and, and eat pizza and not make weight. And yeah. It's always the same excuse. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm injured or I'm sick. And yeah. it's like, bro, you're, you're fat. Like, you're not fat. You're just overweight for your class. Like, just, like, accept another weight class. You know what I mean? That or, you know, like, I, I hate to say this, but we're all we're all hurt. We yeah. all enter the, wherever Absolutely. you enter there, yeah. you're always hurt. So, for, for me, like, there's several things. Like, uh, I I fight, ideal weight is to get a fight at 105, Adam mm-hmm. Weight. Um, Which, is there anybody fighting at that weight besides you? There's two, we joke, there's two other women in New York, probably, possibly. (laughs) So, the other thing is, when you, when you refer to underdeveloped amateur MMA in New York, you know, there's only, you know, less than five promotions in New York State, or not New York State, I'm sorry, in the local area, Um, and, and they vary heavily in uh, just the overall well-being being of the fighters, how the fighters are treated, the just kind of the full experience, the organization. Like when you've been putting on a full fight camp to come in and feel like it's disorganized or to feel like you don't know if you have an opponent or not. Maybe there's not communication. Maybe they botch the medicals and they need you to get this last minute. You know, all of these things add a lot of stress. And so when you're heading up, you're thinking about, I need to be in my best state mentally, physically, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Sometimes it's you kind of blacklist a promotion, at least I myself. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely have promotions that I, if they came to me and they offered, uh, I promotion came to me offered, you know, I'm going to pay you this much to fight. <laughs> I turned it down because yeah. it's just, it's not worth the, the health risk. Um, some other things like for me, um, I actually, in person who kind of benefits from people pulling out of the last minute, uh, I took a fight at 36 hours notice. Um, several fights ago this fight i trained you know i trained like the fight was going to happen we put mm-hmm. my name out to two promotions and uh they pulled me in at the last minute because the girl's opponent uh couldn't make weight or whatever uh so then what happens is then you're negotiating weight so she went you know she was dropping down from 125 i walk around at about 108 so we were saying you know let's get her to 105 let's get her to 105 she just couldn't make it yeah. um so that's something that I struggle with, uh, you know, but, you know, I think there's a certain advantage and, you know, I am planning to fight again uh, in November and I'm doing the same strategy of, you know, I, I start fight camp on a certain date and if the fight happens, great. Um, but I think you set yourself up a lot, like a mindset, you go into it and you realize there's a big possibility I won't have an opponent or I won't know that I have someone out there mm-hmm. until a few hours before. So you, you're always staying ready and you're always pretty close to wait then. Right. So I'm like, you know, to go from 108 to 105 or, you know, I, I fought up, but sometimes uh, I'm, I'm lucky to a lot of people, but uh, you get to a point where 
in fight camp, I'm worried that I have enough weight on to mm. to meet the requirements so that the fight can happen. So that is also, you know, if she weighs in one pound over and she has that live, you know, that grace pound and I miss a mark, you know, there, there can be a gap. And Absolutely. I think that can yeah. be stressful. Um, but as far as like staying ready, um, I think I try and maintain, you know, try and maintain, I think, a training like uh, kind of a, a up and down. I'm thinking of the graph term. But uh, so after a fight, you know, maybe you'll take some time off. Maybe you want to get right back to the gym. Um, mentally, you know, if I need that clarity, sometimes I feel like I'm foggy in my head with training, you know, and I don't have something come up, I'll take a little bit of time. And then I think if the next phase is like pre-fight camp, which mm. is kind of like, you know, ramping up again, and then fight camp and the fight. And it's just cyclical. Is that the way it is for you guys as well? You kind of try to stay ready all the time in case you get the call? Or do you prefer to yeah, have a, that time? It's a little bit. You? It's a little bit different for me now because um, I'm a little bit older, right? So it, it's not so easy for me to... How old are you right now? I'm 36 now. Okay. You know, I'm going to be 37 in, in two months. So... For me to make weight is like a process, right? Mm. And and number that's number one. And number two, it's like, uh, you know, we all work full time. So when when you're like 22 and are you guys also investigators now? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say what. <laughs> so we all work at the same firm. <laughs> it's called Team Perea Kickat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we. So so I I need to organize my job situation. I need to organize my uh, family situation. And um, a lot of it has to do with discipline with the diet and discipline with the exercises, right? And just the constant battle of not getting hurt, not getting injured, because we're going to get hurt during the camp. And it's like, can we make it to the fight in a healthy-ish way? Um, So I can't, like, I'm I'm not one of, plus, I'm not trying to make a career out of fighting. So I'm not going to be one of these guys where it's like, you know, whenever, anywhere anytime it's like <laughs> n- no bro calm down like listen this month's not gonna work for me maybe in the fall maybe you know um so i it's just a couple of a couple of things a couple of goals that i want to meet um so i'm not really fighting to m- make a career just to kind of come check some things out for myself i think yeah to what you said about just not getting hurt like um huge like size disparities i think it's yeah. always a fear yeah, mm-hmm. too. A huge fear. Um, I think sometimes people like roll unnecessarily hard because they know that you fight and yeah, and, yeah But they... there's weight classes for a reason. I don't know if that's a personal experience. And then the other thing is like I went into my fight with a broken thumb. I broke it on Jaime's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> a week before. Yeah. I went now in... you know why people are pulling out. Well, I went. I, w- yeah. I went into the fight with a broken face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, several. Years ago, I was training. I was two weeks out. I was sparring someone, uh, my coach at the time, you know, said spar this person. I guess I finally trusted, you know, he he knew better than me. Mm. Um, And he clipped my leg. I finished the round, but on the way home, my leg went numb. Oh, wow. And I went to the hospital, and my leg was broken. Oh, shit. So I had to, you know, at that point, I had to pull out. You know, if it's a a finger, I can manage. But when my leg goes numb, you know, yeah, the the weight class yeah. thing is pretty big though, because I, I think only once have I had a fight where someone has been my weight. Um, I just, yeah. f- as I said, I did the Golden Gloves, and I realized that I on my coach's 
bad advice. I went into uh, a weight class that I shouldn't have uh, gone into and I should have cut a lot more weight. And then I'm like, get into, into the locker room for the fights. And I'm like, holy shit, who the fuck are these giants that I'm about to fight? Everyone was just like a foot taller than me, had like a nine inch reach advantage. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so uh, for my first jiu-jitsu tournament, I was a white belt. I was doing it for like three months. And I entered in a, uh, uh, it was for Henzo Gracie Invitational mm. tournament. And I remember being like, at that point, I had dieted down to 185. And again, well, what was your starting weight? I was 240. Okay, for this. But, but no, I was 240 when I was at my fattest. Okay. I started going to the gym. I started running. I got to about 215. And that's when I started doing jujitsu. I had gotten to about 185 at this point by just like dieting. Not, not like focusing on it, but just thinking to myself, like, don't eat ice cream. <laughs> And by the way, I knew nothing about nutrition back then. So it's literally like, well, I'm just going to eat. I used to eat a sandwich. I'm just going to eat half a sandwich <laughs> for the crazy. entire day. It's crazy how like those first couple of times you compete, you're just like, I'm, I'm it's just guesswork. Yeah. I don't know. So, Every time I see someone with a rice case, I want to like, like rice <laughs> cake, just like slap it out of their hand. You're like, mayonnaise, is this healthy? Fine. <laughs> this is all I can eat. It's made from eggs. So <laughs> healthy, yeah. right? So, um, yeah. So I, was, I dieted down to 185. And I, okay, so I entered the, the, the tournament and I remember walking around just thinking to myself, like, where are the guys who look like me? <laughs> Everyone had like six pack abs and these were like white belts. They had six packs, V-shaped backs. Everyone was like six to seven inches taller than me. And I'm a short guy, even for my weight now. And like, it, it was, it was just like, I literally, and then like, I was used to uh, Taekwondo tournaments where it was like, all right, uh, you know, bow each other, bow the judges, bow this, blah, blah, blah. Like, they explain a lot. They talk, the, the ref talks a lot before you go. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, they call my name. I go out there. And then the ref is just like, all right, go. And I literally was like, what What happened? <laughs> and I, like, all I remember thinking was like, oh, the person's coming at me. Let me go at him. <laughs> and I somehow, literally, I always say I stumbled into a second place on that one. And I literally stumbled into it. I don't know how I got to second place in that tournament. But I feel like had I had what should have happened to me that day actually happened to me, I probably never would have gotten to this point because mm -hmm. then I started going. Now I go into places like kind of like more cocky. But back then it was like just pure ignorance, like just not understanding what I got myself into. Yeah. But uh what was the point of this before? Oh, yeah, the weights. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I had always, like, for me personally, competing with weight is, it is it is an issue because I'm, like, I, I walk around at about 160. Uh, and for me, I, I fight at 145, which, by the way, is small. I am tiny for my weight class. I My professional fight, I fought a guy who came up from 135. He's actually the 135-pound champion for Ring of Combat right now. Okay. And uh, it was a fight in Ring of Combat. For you? It was for Dead Serious. Dead Serious had one professional pr uh, promotion. Okay. And like they asked me to fight, and I said sure. And then they just gave me a name, and I said yeah, whatever, I don't care. Like because <laughs> like I literally at that point was like this is like it's this the, my goal is just to have a professional fight. It's nothing like I don't care who I'm fighting. They could have been like, well, GSP is coming in, and be like, well, you know, it's still a professional fight, right? <laughs> All right, I'm fine. Um, and like, hey, can you make 135? I've never tried it. But I think I could. I, like, un honestly, it's I, I have that thing in the back of my head where it's like, yeah, I could make 135. I don't know how I'll feel. Yeah. It's like making the weight is not the problem. The problem is like recovering from it. 
it's it, that's the big issue. Like I can make one. I could probably make one thirty five. If I said I'm going to make one thirty five, like I, I will make one thirty five. It's, it's just not, a matter of your how. The, yeah. If you're on death's door or not. Yeah. Exactly. And to me, it's like, well, it's not my my, my I'm not fast. I'm not like quick my my biggest attribute is my endurance mm. and uh for me to just like oh let me take away my endurance i feel like it would be a major detriment so i will compete at a bigger uh, uh a weight class where people are bigger than me because i'm to me it's like i'd rather give up the size than give up my endurance and like i i've always done well in with people bigger than me like i normally normally for jujitsu competitions i walk around 160 i compete at like 170 Hmm. And like I do very well yeah, I mean, for Nogi. A lot Let of people just say have made, made good careers out. Like Frankie Edgar's entire career basically is yeah. just like, yeah. hey, I'm just gonna walk around at whatever the fuck He's... I walk around and just fight this giant. And yeah, yeah. Hope for much. the best. Yeah, but uh, done yeah. pretty damn well for himself. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So like I, I remember the guy came up from 135. He was bigger than me. Yeah, he was, he was bigger <laughs> than me. Christ. We weighed in, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy is bigger than me by a lot. Or? I. I would say he probably walks around maybe five pounds heavier than me, oh. but it was he was bigger than me. I remember him being bigger than me, and then he hit me. Uh, the biggest thing to me was he hit me, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> wow, this guy hits hard!" And like, there's entire like, if you see the pictures, I've sent Katie some of them. They're pictures <laughs> of me just like getting hit, and my face is just like, "Oh god, no!" <laughs> but uh, no, it, so for me, like, I'm. Uh, Walking around 160, I'm at that point where it's like I can compete with people who are much like I can train with people who are much smaller than me, and I can train with people who are much bigger than me, and I can kind of like because I have the skills set to to fight fight it off, I can kind of hang with either size. The biggest thing is I don't want someone who's like 230, super muscular and doesn't know what they're doing. That's when like mm. that's when it's like all right now I have to really watch myself because those are the people who like they they, they hurt you because they don't realize oh I can just grab your arm and break it without trying yeah and that's always like a, a fine line to ride because nobody wants to get hurt of course but also you want to be a good partner and you know especially when you're the advanced one even if you are small you want to be like all right let me help this guy out and let me teach him some stuff or yeah. you know yeah. uh, be a good rolling partner and it, it's it's like how do i mitigate that that fine fine line yeah and how do how do i do that while still establishing dominance i want the person <laughs> yeah. to know and fear my name that's, that's what, what i want that's what happened and that's what is exactly what happened in class today where there were like a couple of new guys in and as soon as class is finished i take my shirt off right just like yeah. <laughs> start flexing just right katie's like what are you doing i'm like flexing out bro because <laughs> a lot of it is is like the mentality right so a lot of people come in and they're like oh i don't i don't know anything and then they they defeat themselves, right? Even when it comes to fighting. A lot of people, like, there's a competition on Saturday, and we're friends with a couple of people who are competing for the first time, and they're like, I don't know, I'm just going to go get my ass kicked. I'm just like, why Why do you say that, right? Somebody's going to win. It could be you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the mental portion is a big, big part of the fighting game, you know? I think it's... Uh it's funny how people go to one of two extremes and never find that middle ground of yeah. just either they're uh, way too critical of themselves or they love themselves way too much. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to find that that balance of just being like, yeah, I could get my ass kicked, but I also have been training for a very long time yeah. and, and I'm here for a reason. It's very rare to find that. What do, you, what do you think is the key to both having confidence but also staying humble? I guess it's honestly, it's just training 
with different people yeah. as much as you can. Especially like one thing we do is we we kind of we're, we're gym whores. So <laughs> we go to like we'll go to like a gym and just be like, hey, can we drop in for a day? We pay the drop in fee and then just like roll with different people. Yeah. And, and you learn like, oh, I'm pretty good compared to these people. And then you go to a gym and it's like, wow, everyone kicked my ass today. So uh, it, it is a mixture of like, for me personally, it's that I can go to a place, uh, train there, but I know like, hey, they're going to beat me up, but it's not so bad. Yeah. Like, and like, especially if you go in ha trying to have fun, mm -hmm. like a lot of people will try to have fun with you so that like, it's not as much fun. So a lot of times if I get nervous and I'm rolling, I actually, especially with someone new, I'll like say something out loud. So like they'll go grab my arm and I'll be like, no, not the arm bar. <laughs> and then they start laughing. And then suddenly like this whole thing of like this tension that people have of like, I don't know you. I have to be careful. Suddenly that like breaks it. And then it's like, oh, we can be playful. And then for some reason that opens them up. And even if I'm getting my ass kicked, like that happened. Like uh, I did that with uh, Eddie Cummings. He came by to Master Sky one day and just, I mean, like in a five minute round, I'm going to say he tapped me out like 20 times. Yeah, <laughs> but I was still like doing that stuff, and he he really? was even, but who's he? It seemed like he was a lot like more open to play because of that. Twenty times, of oh, at least. That's so weird. I tapped him out like four times when we were, <laughs> but I don't know. I think maybe it was hurt. Um, like I'm still learning. Um, a huge factor is is having that positive feedback from my my coaches. Um, and challenging because I am very self-critical and Bert will be like you focus too much on winning and losing like yeah. you need to you know f focus on different things and I think in the back of my head you know I've, I've been injured so much from reckless opponents bigger opponents new opponents and it's kind of been this coming of age of wanting to be a good training partner and, and wanting to be embody kind of those jujitsu ideas of I don't know. I don't want to say being a good person, but um, just putting positive vibes into the gym. Mm -hmm. And and I think that sometimes conflicts with just actually being fearful that I might get hurt because I have gotten hurt so many times. And, and I'm not just saying like a broken thumb. I'm saying like both hands broken, mm -hmm. leg broken, uh, 185 person like knocked me out, another training partner knocked me out. Like, and trying to be smart now and make those smart choices for my own good um and i think that's really difficult uh and just people being so much bigger and trying to kind of communicate what that feels like but also feeling sh like ashamed that i'm like having all these expectations of like um you know trying to explain okay well think about this like I'm roughly 100 pounds, so if you roll with me and you have even 20 more pounds on me, 120 pounds, like, you have 20% of my body weight. So I'm at 150 is, you know, 1.5 times my body weight. Um, and so I get very frustrated because sometimes I just feel like there's just so much muscling happening, and I, I just get down. I, I, like, have very up and down rolls, I guess I would say, because... I think about that and I'm like, you know, when are the tides going to turn? When am I going to start developing? Um, so I guess that's where I am right now. That's something that's like I'm, I'm dealing with and trying to kind of navigate those feelings. Do you think that uh, the culture of a gym 
can help or hurt that? I mean, I know growing up in a lot of old school boxing gyms, it was just, you know, all right, throw some headgear on and just beat the shit out of each other for the next three minutes and then rest for him and then do it again and again and again. And people got hurt. And it wasn't until I started going to specific jujitsu and MMA gyms that that culture kind of changed. So what do you feel? How, how do you feel that affects it? I mean, absolutely it affects it. You know, I've been at gyms where no one's going to take you seriously. One, as a female. Two, as a very petite female. Um, con- like, several times a day I get, you're not an MMA fighter, you know, or I don't know. I, I call myself that. I can. I think I can call myself you had, that. You had an MMA fighter, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. an MMA fighter, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think whether it was the gym environment in certain places, it meant, you know, subjecting yourself to a lot of unnecessary things. And that's what I mean about smiting, uh, fighting smarter now is that, you know, we've all seen those videos on, on social media. Of, of, I saw one today of a child standing there and just like eating punches, like to try and mm. toughen him up. And yeah, there train, are gyms yeah. like that. You got to train the brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, train the brain for damage. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, you know, it also, it's, it's a very unique skill set to be able to roll with someone smaller and maybe you know less um, less knowledgeable about jujitsu, and not feel at the same time not put on too much pressure, but also not be condescending. Yeah. You know, I've had people, oh, I'll tie one arm behind my back because you're a woman, or I'll, you know, mm, things yeah. like that, or like, and so it's about you know trying things, and maybe if someone is new, or maybe if someone's throwing people across the floor, you know, I try and deck out of that. Um, but I have been incredibly impressed because Master Sky is one of the first places where, you know, Alex has taken the time to talk about valuing training partners of different sizes and how we adapt to that and how we get each other ready and even how, you know, making white belts. Uh, I joke I'm a career white belt because I've been a white belt for four years. Um, but but hey, I've how... been a white belt for a lot longer than that, <laughs> so don't even feel bad. But but and and how they, you know, how a, someone lower rank could help a higher rank and. Uh, that's markedly different from a lot of the traditional like dogma that you would get mm. at a at a traditional BJJ, strictly BJJ gym, I think. Or so, even a lot of traditional martial arts right. gyms. Yeah. I've seen that. I've worked at some of those sorts of gyms, and I've been like, the the, the way that they treat the hierarchy is is so toxic. Yeah. And yeah. It doesn't really foster uh, an environment for learning, especially when somebody's coming in and they just. They, right off the street it's like how the fuck am i supposed to get anything from these higher belts when they're just smashing every single time yeah, right. yeah so there, there's like two mentalities and like uh, I'm, I'm teaching a lot like I've, i teach once a week and i also teach whenever like uh alex or van like oh we, we're doing something this on saturday they asked me to teach a class but like i can see it in people's faces when i go like hey uh, you who's a blue belt partner up with this person who's like it's their tenth day, and like you can kind of see it in their face where they're just like, oh god, that's like I have to, I have to baby that, and I'm like in my mind, I've I've always had the mentality of, like if I go with someone who's like it's their first day and I don't learn something myself, then I've failed. Yeah. Like I have to learn something like from them. I have to like, and I've always found that it's best to just explain something to them and then help them like do it. Because ultimately, my goal is to make them good enough for them to tap me. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a win-win because it, 
like, hey, you tapped me, but I showed you that. So that still makes me the alpha. <laughs> so, <laughs> But also you were that guy not yes. that long ago, yeah. too. Exactly. That's the most important thing. It's just like, yeah, I was in that guy's shoes like how many years ago? Not even. I mean, we were. We all were. It, and it's yeah, funny yeah. to me how just some people like you see it in their face. They don't want to do it. And, and it's how just, easily they forget that, yeah. you know, what it, it was like to walk on the mat on your first day. And I think that's something you do really well, too, is that. Some people try and correct everything, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, that's also feeling. It feels very like you feel very dejected. So it's like finding that special balance between like today I'm gonna focus on like you not making the same mistake where you come up and drive your head into me, and we're gonna get that down. Yes. And maybe you'll overlook uh, that I did my triangle wrong or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a really unique talent to kind of know that special happy medium between being uh, like too lenient and being too tough and just kind of giving small goals that someone can feel like I can work on this today. Like, or when Alex will say, all I want you to do today is focus on staying on top. Don't go for for submissions, focus on this. I think uh, I'll, I'll say this from personal experience. Teaching kids has been great for me, at least for learning how to do just that of just like, staying critical of just like one or two things. And after that, just letting them make as many mistakes as they can. Yeah. Cause yeah. you realize that the second that I give them three things or more, this kid's going to just fucking just, and it, yeah. it, it's, it's more of like a, a personality thing. Like you have to almost feel it out. Like there's some people who you can show, you can give them 10 corrections mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll take all of them. Absolutely. And then there's some people who like you give them one correction and that's like the max. And it's not, not nothing bad with them. Like everyone learns at different levels and like, you know, some people, some people learn 10 moves and then some people learn one move and then like both of these people will they'll both learn this stuff yeah. but um like it, it it is that balance of like seeing the person seeing how they react when you explain something and then figuring out like okay i think you're i think you've reached your max let's just focus on this and then you see someone else who kind of like it's almost like the opposite where they like kind of get bored because it's like oh you got to give me more you got to yeah. give me more Absolutely. Um, real quick, I want to go back to uh, the problems with amateur fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, like I said, I'm, primarily a lot of my competition has been in amateur boxing. And, you know, luckily we have, or maybe not luckily, we have USA Boxing that uh, oversees and sanctions all of that. A lot of people have a lot of issues with pro- uh, organizations like USA Boxing because with organizations like these comes a lot of, like, issues with corruption and like a lot of mismanagement and uh you'll see it even at like the smallest shows to the biggest tournaments uh do you think uh, a regulating body like usa boxing would be good for mma or do you think it should be up to the individual promoters that's a tough thing um i kind of like the fact that somebody's watching the promoter that's a good thing but mm. at the same time you can't have so much that like you see it because sometimes you go like you go backstage and you just see these guys like hitting pads and in my mind I'm just like why can't I fight that guy so like you almost like and you kind of need that because you need you need that guy to be exposed like I I fought someone who never did jujitsu like he only did Muay Thai and it was and all I did was just wrestle them to the ground three straight rounds and it was like now this is a learning experience for him because now he learns like hey you guys have to do something you can't just only do Muay Thai um, so it, it is like a, a balance you need something 
where you you see where where there is some type of regulation so people don't get hurt but at the same time you can't do so much because then you know you just don't want so much control over over these things because then it just becomes it becomes like anything it's just like who do you know what happens so much corruption and all that stuff mm. i think i think because an amateur anime maybe honestly there's not there's not money there's no money into it so corruption is just, what are you going to do you're just going to like pad if if you're a gym owner you might pad your fighters records you just like put them up against people who really shouldn't be there or aren't at an appropriate level other than that i don't i don't know how much corruption goes on like there's always someone from new york state commission to like look at certain things like mm -hmm. look at the medicals look at the weigh-ins like look at the wraps so when it comes to that stuff i think it's fine um i think just matching sometimes yeah uh, sometimes you see matches and it's just like they like yeah it's like they just make they sense. want their boy to win so they'll throw like you know some tomato yeah. can at him oh okay so there's a lot of of like blowouts and complete mismatches then i wouldn't say a lot Not even a lot no it's just like you see it every yeah. now and then where it's like this guy obviously shouldn't be fighting but yet he's fighting someone who's very well trained but uh, but you know it the reason why it's because the promoter was like well this guy sold is selling 50 tickets and this guy only asked me for 10 tickets so i know i know who who i i know this guy i want his his crowd cheering so that way next time when he comes he's gonna bring more people Got it. so it, it's not, i wouldn't even say it's corruption it's more just like it's just that's the business that's yeah. how it is you have to have you have to have that hey, sorry. i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say um i, I think i it's also just how i feel like i feel like going back to what i was saying about certain promotions you kind of stay away from and um I, I definitely like have seen a uh, similar commission, like the same commissioner, the same uh, regulating body, the same guys walking around um, at several different fights, you know, backstage and, you know, checking water, checking blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think uh, it just gives you a sense of comfort, like that I'm about to do something really dangerous, but I'm not, someone else isn't coming in with like weird wraps or, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, performance enhancing drugs i, yeah. I don't think so. well, I don't, who knows who knows really an amateur <laughs> yeah. there's no checking or anything but um it, yeah she's got a point it is nice and comforting when you see the same like 10 15 like commissioners not, not even commissioners but like the same people like the refs and the guys who check the gloves and everything the same 10 15 people when you see them at different events it kind of gives you this thing of like oh we're doing something authentic it's not we're not just like you know, we're not just putting on shorts and fighting in our underwear for no reason. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not like renting rent a rent a cop. Yeah, for, <laughs> like people who check in stuff. Like they're legitimately employees. Yeah, I, I think um, probably where the corruption really becomes damaging with these other organizations is because of what's on the line. You know, uh, with like uh, USA Wrestling and USA Boxing, they're getting a chance to maybe compete in the Olympics or maybe they're competing for a scholarship or something like that. So when there's these uh, these scandals that happen, or when you know judges will clearly give it to somebody that shouldn't have won. That's when you're seeing like this has really damaging uh, repercussions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, what are you doing for honestly for amateur MMA? It's like, well, you could you could get a good record to become a pro fighter. Yeah. At which case, you still don't get much money anyway. So <laughs> yeah. doesn't make it like for my professional fight. I got I got it based off ticket sales. And I sold a good amount of tickets, and like it, it be, like I lost money fighting, like between medicals, between driving, everything. And that's I'm not even counting like gym memberships or paying uh, my yeah. coaches. Like it, like I basically lost. I paid 
I paid a doctor to clear me to fight to make less money than how much I got paid. Then you know, like I lost money to fight. Yeah. yeah. So like I I don't know like unless you're like this is I'm gonna get into the UFC and become a champion because even some guys get to the UFC and like they're not making money. Unless you're saying I'm gonna make it to the UFC and become a champion, it's like it's not like there's no money in this. Yeah, so, it needs to be a huge draw to get. Yeah. yeah, and I think it just goes back to amateur MMA still being a little bit more underdeveloped than USA boxing than USA wrestling. You know, wrestling is in almost every college, in almost every high school, back to middle school. Boxing is is also you know, I don't think. The school, the colleges that I went to, I don't think there was like a boxing, I don't know, team or whatever. Club. I don't yeah, think that would be, yeah, but there was there like a boxing a club, yeah. right? So, but I can't imagine one, just the liabilities, the insurance for a, a college or a high school to teach MMA. You have to be a certain kind of crazy to, to yeah. train MMA. Yeah. Uh, and, and like Berto said, you're going to lose a shit ton of money because you're going to be injured a lot. You got yeah. five different coaches to pay, you know, different gyms to pay. There's, it's not an Olympic sport. So yeah. those are kind of some of the differences that perhaps, to your point about what's on the line for USA Boxing, what's on the line for USA Wrestling, you know. No one's going to get an MMA scholarship because it's just not in the in those places. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like one thing she just to point out something she says that like yeah it take, does take a certain kind of crazy to do this. I, mm. I don't think I know anyone from a MMA gym who just said I'm very bland and normal. Like you have very <laughs> eccentric, weird people who just decide like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get punched in the face for a hobby. Yeah. I don't know that's what a, you're talking they, about. They, I was an investigator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Pretty normal. You, you run a risk as well, right? Because it, it is dangerous. Like, it, it, you know, it, it's all cool. You know, you, you you go out and you fight. You you get your pictures taken. You know, you, you get your Insta hose and this and that. But, uh, you know, at any moment, this man can or woman can put her shin across your face and just and go to sleep. send you to the hospital. Right? And, and, I mean, for me especially the name of the game is don't get injured again i you know in my first mma gym at williamsburg mma we we had a training partner the dragon and she oh, tore my shoulder uh, look i was in surgery oh. and i had to do um nine months of physical therapy right so i couldn't even pick up my arm to like how you hold your phone to your face i couldn't do that wow why because i was playing games with the dragon that's like <laughs> you don't play games with the yeah. dragon but yeah, just just try to avoid, just try to avoid yeah. that. She now. didn't get the memo of your uh, stone face, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to turn it over to Lance now. Yeah. Lance, yeah. what you got yeah, for us, Lance. man? Let's see, give us a good question. Been waiting I swear this to God. whole time. I, to I can't fire question. you, so <laughs> he did look like he fell asleep at one point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have two questions. I don't have a second. One second. One second. Let's. Uh, so. My first question is, you guys have a pretty serious conversation. You have some little jokes here and there. But what's been your funniest fight moment in a like a match, not like training or anything like that, like um, that you could think of? Uh, okay, so my funniest fight moment. It's not not something that happened in the fight, but afterwards was that. Uh, so you're not my, answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> so my 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 chick went to one of my fights, which like gives her heart attacks. Because, like, obviously she's just fearful for me. And she was saying that, like, a f 
of one of the fights before that she had seen. The guy had like picked the guy up and like thrown him around, and she was worried that that would happen. And then I step into the cage, and everyone's like much bigger than me, and I wound up picking the guy up and then slamming him on his head, so and knocking him out. So I, I guess is that funny? <laughs> it sounds like a brag. What? Yeah. Sounds like a funny brag. <laughs> like, All right, so let's just say I'm bragging. Right. You know what? Let me just brag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Winning is pretty funny, guys. Yeah, <laughs> Damn. I mean, there's, there's nothing really funny about I it. I know. Right? I'm, I'm struggling. I hard. have, like, maybe a lukewarm answer. I think, I think, I don't even know if it's funny, but I'm like, from my last fight, um, you know, you, you know how it is. Like, you, they play your music. They, they got the lights and the smoke machine, and you walk out, and you go into the cage, right? And then you got the commentators like on the side just saying little stats about you and like, you know, Katie was a, a private investigator. And she, <laughs> That's the first stat yeah, they say had, about me. She had this battle Let with Let me terror, blow her yeah, cover. Whatever, the movie Die Hard was based on the real experience, or all that stuff. <laughs> and then I'm walking to the cage and everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, you're the fucking oldest guy here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really cool when all these old guys come and they, uh, they you know, they want to play MMA. And, and I'm like, Bro, you got nothing to say about me except how old I am. <laughs> but that's all right, though. That's all right. I had a similar experience. Like, I heard my opponent was 21, and she was like, I just can't wait to have a beer after this. Oh, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, my God. We are, I just think my back disintegrated mm. just talking to you. Um, oh, I think I have a funny one, but go ahead. <laughs> I got a second looking, one as well. Looking, Katie, you got you to come you gotta, Come on, you got to bring the heat. Okay. You got one. Um, no, this isn't that funny. It was a jiu-jitsu tournament, and... Uh, round robin it was sudden death and um my opponent had me a triangle and my ex-boyfriend was there and he was like so terrified that i wasn't gonna get out in time i guess so that felt great um that he walked on the mat he was like trying to like walk on and try and like to the ref like aren't you gonna do something blah 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 and, and i ended up getting out um but it was. I was just like, okay, so that's you're not coming to yeah. anything anymore. <laughs> like that's not happening. Okay, so my okay, I got a funny one. So uh, the promoter for Dead Serious, when we showed up, when we showed up to fight, he actually thought Jaime was the guy fighting. I was the only <laughs> one fighting that day, oh, shit. and he thought Jaime was the one fighting because he comes in, he has all these tattoos on his arm, he's got like the beard. He he was like he looked like a fighter, and he thought I was like the brother who just was <laughs> in the back, like hey yeah, I'm gonna hang out. And he's like, all right, next person weighing in, and then I win, and he's like, oh, this poor kid, he's gonna get his ass kicked. So. That was funny. I apparently don't look like a fighter. So then you to have to him. go get some tattoos. Yeah, I have to get some tattoos after that. I'm still trying to build my game up. But... Starting to look the part just a little bit. <laughs> All right. So in my last fight, um, you know, these promotions, they won't give me a belt. You know what I'm saying? They won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how many times and how many times I told people like, yo, bro, I'm a fucking champ. I'm the champ. You know what I'm saying? Any weight class. So, uh, I, I, you know, we, I go into the cage, whatever, boom, boom, boom. Um, I get a choke, and then we go to the backstage, and then we go out to meet my people like, who are like in the audience. And I pull out a fucking, a fucking WWF. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be clear that while we were backstage, before he did that, yeah. he pulled this shit out and starts polishing it like he's going to oh, fucking. Uh, so... And I think there were some moments where he was like, do I wear it on this shoulder or this shoulder? Oh, like, God. bro, you so, bought your own. So, so I brought my own belt in the backstage and their fights, their guys still warming up because they're still fighting. I'm like, yo, bro, the champ is here. Move. 
and we come out and and everyone's like yeah taking pictures with the belt the champ the champ and then we go get pizza and then we're going back to the car and one of the promoters for the fight was like yo champ what's up what's up yo congrats <laughs> listen we're having an after party you know if you can just make an appearance and just take a couple of pictures and I, was like, bro, I was like bro i, I don't got time <laughs> <laughs> So he legit thought that you were. The moral of the story is, make yourself a champion. Don't wait for somebody else to fucking put the. Belt One in of you. our favorite things is to like make people talk to Umberto. Like I'll send him pictures of a, like a bathtubs at Home Depot. Like I'm gonna need you to get my manager to get this in the dressing room oh, for okay. my next fight. Or but like Jaime needed something. I don't know what it was. He's not. Umberto's not wearing enough skulls, which are kind of my thing. Yeah. Apparently, I'm failing as a manager here. So, uh, anyway, we, we got to go on Dr. Phil and hash some of those out. I only have one really good fight story, and that's uh, during my first fight, I made the mistake of uh, telling my older sister to come. Yeah. And the whole entire fight, all she's yelling, just I hear her above everyone, <laughs> even my coach. I just hear her yelling, <laughs> hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. Oh. And I remember having the thought during the second round, like, that's like, did she not think that that's what my plan was this whole entire time? I'm like, oh, thanks, sis. Like, I, I didn't think about hitting him, but now that you mention it, that's probably the best way to win. Yeah. Just hitting him again and I again. do love when people like offer unhelpful advice, like especially like people or like you know maybe people who I don't want to sound like a dick, but maybe it, maybe it, people who have it. never really been in that scenario and they're like that's not dickish that's that's the right thing to say i, yeah. I tone it down i down i toned it down but oh. they'll like i don't know they'll like say weird like i don't risky take like risky submissions that you don't do in mma they'll be like <laughs> yo uh uh i don't know what's a weird ass Thing that you would never should have gone for that go go plata, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> why aren't you doing the omoplata? It's like, wh- wh- why would that no? Or it's like, kick him in the knee. You can't, that would hurt me. What are you? It's very distracting. Yeah, I, I got one more, one more. Well, my second fight, my friend Reagan, she she moved to Texas, but uh, anyway, we call her the her. So I'm uh fighting this guy and I throw him down, right? And I and I get in full mount, which is like um. Uh, basically, he's sitting he, on his he's stomach. laying down, and I'm like straddling him. Right? So right now, yeah. Jay- Jaime is showing us very pornographic yeah. images <laughs> with his fingers, <laughs> fingers. Right. Just, just so everyone so can this, get that image. This guy's laying down, and I'm like straddling him, right? <laughs> and I got my chest chest on his chest, right? You're both real and sweaty, yeah. <laughs> breathing, breathing listening. Hard. So, so my friend, the her, she's <laughs> same thing. Everyone's fucking yelling, and then all I hear is her saying. Make out. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I legit stopped punching him. And I was like, what? <laughs> I do that. Too. Like, I'll, uh, I have a hard time hearing. So, like, in training, uh, I have a, when there's, like, other noise, especially, I have a, a fairly hard time hearing. And I'll hear Berto say something, but he kind of, like, says it into his trail mix container. <laughs> so, I get hungry sometimes. <laughs> and so, like, one time I turned because I was trying to read his lips, and I, like, nearly got hit. And he's like, no, don't fucking look at me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my favorite thing is when, like, someone's saying so- – like, if I'm sparring someone, and then, like – the coach who's like watching so someone's coach who's watching it like says something and then the person looks over, looks over I'll yeah. just like punch them in the face <laughs> like why are you looking you can you can hear <laughs> do you guys corner each other ever uh so Jaime's was uh, were you yeah he yeah, I would I say he was my I corner was there, for yeah. for pretty much all my fights yeah um except for one like yeah because I was but, away so he was my corner for all my fights well not the main corner but he was my corner 
Um, for the last, I'm the alpha, bro. I'm the, I'm the main one. <laughs> for for Jaime's last few fights, I've cornered him, and like I'm, I've been the dude in the cage. I got and uh, for Katie's fight, I was I cornered her. I was the person inside selling her things like, "You gotta want it, you gotta do it." He was not giving me water fast enough. If I could give problem. any critique, he was too focused on hearing himself speak. Yeah. He, and I, I just wanted more water. I did you give the Teddy Atlas like <laughs> emotional speech? <laughs> like the important thing is that I was wearing my corner man pants. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think everyone just understood. Like once I walked in there, they were like, oh, oh he must be giving very poignant advice. <laughs> you, you know, the only fight that I ever lost was when he was not in my corner. Yeah, that's actually true. He, oh. was, he was fighting the same night and he was in the backstage getting warmed up because he was up next and that was the only time he wasn't there and that was the only time that I lost and I lost on purpose. I want everyone to know that. <laughs> I lost on purpose. Just to send examples yeah. for him, right? I was like, that's, yeah. I was like, yeah. see, bro? Yeah. Gotta be there. Yeah. yeah, but uh, no, you actually do need like something, someone there. Like I, I re- would always be able to hear his voice, mm-hmm. my, my brother's voice during in the corner i'm the one yelling make out <laughs> <laughs> and, and like i very specifically remember in my pro fight like just being like half days because like i'm just getting my ass kicked and then all i hear i, I only hear jaime's voice yelling something and then i do it and i'm like holy shit that worked <laughs> but yeah so you're a decent corner man decent yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got i had my pants on cornerman no. corner pants and speaking of decent lance yeah. that was a decent question so we're gonna give you one more you got one more for us yeah Double or nothing. Right, Don't go. mess it up now. This one should be short. Uh, it's for the three of you combined since uh, her past life was an investigator. All right. And you guys were talking about uh, there's no central body to, like, regulate MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what if they gave you guys that job? Like, through you specifically. Like, what, mm. would, what, what would you call the division? And what would be, like, your job specifically? Like, More importantly, what would we wear? And the answer to yes. that. Yeah, I like <laughs> The that. answer to that. Yeah. It's trench coach with avocados on them. Mm, I like it. <laughs> okay. If I was in charge of, uh, <laughs> if I was in charge of regulating, so there, so the New York State has an athletic commission, mm-hmm. and yeah. they they regulate the rules and the uh, the enforcement of the rules. But if I had to regulate like fight promoters, I would immediately quit that job because I outside this here this team, yeah. I don't want anything to do with MMA. <laughs> Like if it's somebody from our gym who's like, hey, I want I want to get ready for a fight or like I will. Yes, I will help them. But people that I don't know, like, I was like, I do. I don't want to really deal with fighters. I'm like, bro, yeah, that's you, it's way too much. You have to understand, like yeah. you, you deal with some people who come in and they're like, I want to be a UFC champion. I'm going to be the UFC champion. And it's like, all right, you're 27 right now. Have you ever wrestled before? No. Have you done jujitsu before? No. But I've done six months of striking. It's like, all right, gotcha. And then it's like, all right, well, I'll, won't you come into my jiu-jitsu class and then we'll start from there. And then like two days later, they're just, they're not there anymore. Yeah. They have I a would, lot of people with big dreams, but not, they don't want to put the effort in. I would like know? to go on record on saying that there was a chance for all of us to go to France for me. Uh, and yes. <laughs> go ahead. Berto just shit all over that dream. And we were going to be eating <laughs> like on. baguettes. Time out. Time out. He told me to lie. I need to I know told the, her. all the details. So it was some one. like a kickboxing organization that was like you need a minimum of ten fights to to do it, and it's a to represent some team USA in France. And I told her just lie, jokingly. 
which he, he actually he did. did not use the joking tone. He did not there's no, clarify. There's no in, joking emoji. This was in the group chat. This is why there needs to be a joking. Uh, I don't know. Just put it in emoji There's the wink. There's the wink. No, that's suggestive. Yeah. No, I don't want to wink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. But um, yeah. Duly then noted. that happened, and then I told her, you know what? Maybe it's a good idea to do this because you getting a concussion would be a small price to pay for us going to France yeah. and eating a bunch of baguettes. So now you know where their heads are, yes. and it's not my well-being. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, no. Lance, how long have we been recording right now? We'll edit this part out. Hour and 12. Damn. Oh, man. I just that shit went by. Yeah. I don't even have to go into the, the reserve to get into <laughs> other questions. Y'all, guys, y'all been great. Thank y'all so much. Um, let everybody know listening where they could uh, find you. Uh, I know you guys got some merch. I saw some merch <laughs> that you were giving out too. So okay. tell us about that too. But tell us your Instagram, social media, Twitter, everything. Katie, Katie, share the world your Instagram since you're so popular. Yes, Uh-oh. since all your fans. I don't have an Instagram. All right. So, so the promotion that we just fought has like 50 pictures of Katie all over their Instagram, just like, check out these fights. They're so amazing, blah, blah, blah. She's like basically their cover girl, and she don't even got an Instagram. Damn, girl, you got to step your game up. Exactly. Why do I need the public to know what I'm doing? That's right. She's a private investigator. Uh, Okay, never mind. All right. right. Boys, what what are your... uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Humberto Perea, just as it's, you know... Phonetic. She just does it spell. Or I'm on. I'm actually more on Instagram because, like, I can look up dog picture videos and stuff like that. <laughs> he tells us he's busy. I am very busy in front of us while he's looking at dog pictures. It's very, very and we're busy. getting punched in the face. <laughs> so uh, I'm Bertoplex on Instagram. Uh, you can contact me for. Actually, don't contact me. Or just slide into my DMs. I don't know. Whatever you guys want. Well, if they um, want those those sweet leggings, bro. Oh yeah, I, we sell. So we have some uh, some leggings that we uh, bought a bunch of, and now I have a bunch of them in my trunk. Uh, they were Pantaloon Thursday pantaloons. They're very nice, stylish spanks for anyone to wear. And uh, if you like them, they're pretty much all over my my Instagram. And you can contact me if you want to buy them. Yeah, they were designed by uh, L L A Rodriguez. Yeah, that's like just productions. That's her her fashion, yeah. uh, clothing line. I don't know. Right. Hey, you guys are known for your for your leggings, bro. Too. Yeah, I, people I, people know they 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 know now. They gotta know. They gotta know. The first time I stepped into Master's Guy and I saw you guys, I was like, "Fuck, I gotta step in." Yo, for <laughs> real, you can't just be coming in here with black tights yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, that. you can't do that. Weren't you uh, wearing black tights? So today? you could find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Jaime Jaime Perea. It's spelled like Jamie, but it's not Jamie. Um, but uh, don't friend me on Facebook. I don't know you. Um, unless I know you, in which case we're probably already friends. But on Instagram, I'm uh, Heimer Himes. That's J-A-I-M-E-R dot J-A-I-M-S. Um, and that's just me making stupid videos for my friends. I don't really try to promote it. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully one day, you know, Humberto and I will have our own MMA gym MMA gym I guess yes. yeah little studio we're, we're like we're, we've been like we've always had that in the back of our minds yeah. and I think it's like probably like hopefully next year awesome, we're gonna try yeah. to open it up you know try to teach people what we know yeah. try to you know I always say like my the, the reason why so jujitsu changed me as in like I used to be a bad like not bad person but I used to be like a like overweight, just lazy, do nothing, and now like I feel like I'm a completely different person. And and the confidence and the yeah, I a, no confidence, nothing. Not a, a bad place. And, 
Yeah, and then like I like I'm a completely different person than I was when I was 27, and like it's kind of like I want that for everyone, but like I think a lot of times people like go into a gym and they think like it's a fight, like where you have to learn how to fight, you have to learn how to do this. To me, like uh, like if I had a dream, I want my MMA gym to be kind of like a bar, where it's like you come in. And you get plastered. Yeah, you get yeah. wasted. <laughs> There's some butt funnels. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys watch uh, yes. fucking John Tanford, one of Bar my favorite Rusty, shows. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, you like come in and it's like, this is a community and we're friends here. You make friends, you become friends, and then you hang out with friends. To me, it's like, I, I want people to leave the gym. Like whenever we open a gym, I want them to leave the gym and then go get dinner together mm-hmm. i want people to become best friends like all my friends are pretty much from mma gyms and I, like i made a lot of friends just from that which is very difficult because i'm very antisocial, and i very like have a lot of social anxiety and all that stuff and uh so to me it's like i want to spread that i want other people to feel what i felt all right all right we're ending on a sentimental note yes. so uh I'm touched. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Again, follow everybody on Instagram, except Katie, of course. We're going to fix that. You can talk to me through my manager. Okay. If you want. (laughs) If you want. Yeah. If you want, I'll just start an Instagram and then take random pictures. They threatening to do it. Yeah. Or send one of the guys a message and then say, tell Katie I said. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Or you could just say hi to me in person because <laughs> you have that hookup. There you go. There you go. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And uh, until next time, peace. Thanks a lot,